In anticipation of our main episode podcast on pediatric physical abuse, I'm thrilled to have with us Dr. Carmen Coombs, pediatric emergency physician, double credentialed in both pediatric EM and child advocacy, that's their child abuse team, at Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. Dr. Coombs, welcome to EM Cases, and let's hear your best case ever. Thank you, Anton. This is a case that I saw many years ago, early in my training at Janus Hospital. This was an 18-month male who presented to our hospital after being found unresponsive at home. The story was that he had been at home during the day with mom's boyfriend while she was out doing errands. He was in the kitchen cooking dinner. The child was sleeping in the nearby living room. The boyfriend reported that he woke up, he needed his diaper changed, he changed his diaper, he laid him back down on the couch, and then he went back into the kitchen to finish making dinner. He was only gone for a few minutes, but when he came back, he found him still laying on the couch, purple and responsive and not breathing. He tried to revive him. He described splashing water in his face, taking him upstairs, putting him in the shower. But when the child still failed to respond, he started CPR and called 911. The ambulance arrived. They found the child in a full arrest. They continued CPR, they placed an IO, they gave him epi, and they actually were able to achieve return of spontaneous circulation. When he presented to our emergency department, we intubated him, and his evaluation was most notable for a large subdural hemorrhage with midline shift on his CT of his head, and his CT of his abdomen showed a liver laceration and a duodenal hematoma. So... This is pretty much a slam dunk for this child being a victim of physical abuse. So this is obviously a very upsetting, difficult situation. What what happened from there? So he was admitted to our PICU. He had an EVD placed and then eventually went on to have a burr hole and a ventricular drain. He was very sick. He was on multiple pressors. He required blood products to help support him because of the liver laceration he was intubated for a prolonged time. He had seizures. We did do an opto exam, which also found that he had extensive bilateral retinal hemorrhages. A G-tube was placed. He had extensive inpatient and then later on outpatient physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. My understanding is that a lot of these cases of physical abuse, that there's antecedent abuse before sort of the big bad abuse gets discovered. Uh, Was there any clues in this child's history uh, from previous visits, for example, that might have clued in the health professionals uh, that this could have been an abused child? So that, that, Anton, is really, I think, the most tragic part about this case and really played a role in my decision to go into pediatric emergency medicine and to do my work in child abuse. So when we looked back at this child, He had indeed been seen at our hospital a few weeks prior to this presentation, at which time he had an oblique mid-shaft femur fracture. The story then was that he was, again, being cared for by mom's boyfriend. He was at the top of the stairs. He kind of turned back to look over his shoulder at what was going on down below him, and then he fell. It sounds like it was obvious to the boyfriend at the time that Um, The child wasn't able to walk. He had swelling of his leg. He called his mother, and they presented to care 
during that evaluation in the emergency department, the emergency physicians had very appropriately been concerned for possible abuse. And this child was actually evaluated by our child protection team. And the incident was felt to be accidental. We felt like the history was consistent with the injury and no report was made. One interesting thing about this case was that when this child presented the second time, there was a detail in the original story that changed. So this time in describing this event, the boyfriend described that the child had fallen and that after the event that he walked into the living room actually holding on to his finger, he didn't cry, he didn't whimper, he didn't seem to be in any kind of pain. And the only reason that they had brought him for care at that time was because they noticed that his leg was swollen. I think that this is a really critical detail because had we known that detail at the time, I think that we would have recognized that this was abuse because we know that a child with a femur fracture would not walk. And that detail alone that this child walked after the injury without any signs of obvious pain, I think would have been enough that we would not have called that first incident accidental and we may have been able to to actually prevent him from suffering the head injury and the abdominal injuries that he did. So that sounds like one of those classic clues for physical abuse where the history just does not fit with the injury. Definitely. When we reviewed this child's medical records from his family practice physician, there were two additional missed opportunities that we noted. At two months of age, this child had been seen with a subconjunctival hemorrhage. He had respiratory symptoms at the time, and this finding was associated to coughing hard, and a report was not made. Some of the listeners, some of your listeners may not be aware, but a subconjunctival hemorrhage in a young infant is very concerning and essentially should be thought of as a bruise on the eyeball. It's not normal, and it should always prompt an evaluation for child abuse. It can be due to direct trauma or from suffocation, strangulation, a child being squeezed too tight. But it really, in a young infant, it should never be attributed to forceful vomiting or coughing as we commonly do in adults. At seven months of age, this patient had been seen by his primary care provider for a small bruise on his chest. This had been attributed to him being strapped into his car seat too tightly. They did do a chest x-ray at that time to look for any evidence of deeper injury, and this was normal. So no report was made at that time. Bruises in babies are really concerning. We have a common saying in pediatrics and among child abuse pediatricians that if you don't cruise, you don't bruise. So even though a bruise on this child's chest seemed like a very minor injury at the time, this really was a very significant injury that could have provided an opportunity for us to intervene before the cycle of violence continued and escalated to the point where he came into our institution unresponsive. Wow, that is an absolutely tragic story. Um, How's the child doing now? So he is in the care of his mom. Um, Her boyfriend did face criminal charges and serve time in jail. The patient, unfortunately, has global developmental delay. He's nonverbal. He has seizures. He isn't able to walk by himself. 
He has visual impairment. He's dependent on a G-tube for his feeding. And he is still, years later, undergoing extensive ongoing therapy and rehabilitation. He certainly does have some quality of life. His mom describes that he smiles. He enjoys the sunlight. He likes being outside. But this is really a child who should have grown up to be a normal, healthy child. The take-home points for this case for me was really that in this child, we had three opportunities in this particular child to identify abuse before he presented with life-threatening abusive injuries. The subconjunctival hemorrhage is an infant, a bruise as an infant, and a femur fracture as a young toddler. Abuse is a cycle. Violence escalates. These little injuries that we see early on are important because they give us an opportunity to intervene before more serious injury occurs. I think as healthcare professionals, we have to get better at recognizing these injuries and we have to get better at reporting them. I couldn't have said that better myself. Dr. Coombs, thanks so much for your time and uh, telling us about this case. In the upcoming main episode, we're going to talk about all the key clues, pearls, and pitfalls of being able to identify these cases of pediatric physical abuse early before it's too late. 